Waves in the Finiverse. Challenges that occurred at the end of last year, I think we've accelerated the institutional involvement probably by about three years. <laughs> Look, everyone's got an AI strategy, right? What do they say that the better that you get, the sharper the knives? Elwood Technologies offer institutional digital assets trading infrastructure. Essentially, they offer the roads and bridges to get big banks, neobanks, and financial corporations to the digital markets faster. So I caught up with their CEO, James Stickland, not once but twice in the past month to bring you this episode. First, we wanted to fully understand what Elwood brings to the Web3 world. But... Then the financial world did a loop and Elwood had some big news, so we caught up again. So stay tuned to hear both parts of the conversation. But to get us started, I wanted to know how institutions are approaching digital asset markets and how it's changed over the past year. James, I wanted to really start the conversation by looking at demand for your services almost as a proxy for where institutions are in their adoption of digital assets. So, you know, uh, has the volume of business changed at all in the last six months with the alterations going on in the market? Yeah, look, very much the dynamic has changed. Um, you know, and, and clearly I would say this, right, that, that the appetite is still very aggressive and very engaged. Um, but I think the, the needs have changed. Um, I think if you rolled the clock back a year ago, uh, there was a huge amount of appetite for, for institutions to trade the digital asset markets and, and less about some of the structure building, some of the foundational elements that are required um, and more about being active in trading. Right. So during the heady markets, it was really getting the traders up and running. And now they're looking at more systemic work. 100%. Yeah, I think people are now going back to the foundations. Um, and, you know, they're building out basics that are required to build long term you know, trading strategies and, and, and long term access to the market. And James, to put this in context for our listeners who don't know Elwood, um, can you introduce us to your institutional uh, platform yeah so the, the the blatant sales pitch um you know from from our perspective is uh you know elwood is uh an order management execution management but primarily a portfolio management software for digital assets um, and portfolio management for us you know encompasses you know a full suite of capabilities including risk so you know we were a real middle office layer um, across people's entire um, digital asset exposure. So, James, that really is then kind of a white-label digital asset trading solution for institutions so that they can just put it in, lay it across their systems, and provide their traders and their uh, customers access to a whole new range of products? Yeah, very much so, and, and you know, and delivered in a regulatory framework. Um, so, yes, we're a software company, uh, but the, the sort of importance for us is to make sure that we you know, we've been institutional by design. So we've already started the path of, of you know, of obtaining all the most regular, uh, you know, regulatory licenses that you would expect. And James, we started off the conversation by saying that um, uh, a year or two ago, everyone was keen to get into crypto and digital assets so they could trade. Uh, but now they're, they're building out their systems. Are we getting towards broader, wider acceptance? Are you dealing with a bigger client base now that you've got 175 folks? Yeah, very much so. And I think that, you know, there was a bit, as we all saw, there was a, you know, the sort of gold rush of, 
of 2020, you know, 20, late 2020, 2021, where people were just, you know, trying to maximize the, the immediacy of, um, of, of opportunity. I think now the large cap institutions, the tier one banks that we're working with, you know, some of which are investors in the firm, um, you know, are, are going back to making sure that they actually can really run the strategies, you know, effectively and appropriately, you know, can they back test? Can they shock? Can they, you know, run risk models? You know, can they do vol? You know, can they have, you know, VAR calculations, et cetera? So all of this opportunity, which is very standard, you know, assets and, and asset uh, capital market structures, you know, you know, is now being deployed into digital, which I think gives everybody, you know, should give everybody in the market more comfort that now the large cap providers are starting to, you know, enter into the space. There should be far more, you know, trading opportunities and counterparty, uh, you know, interactions. Yeah, it's certainly going to do wonders for volume and liquidity um, to have that level of institutional trading on a regular basis. Um, James, how do you navigate the regulatory network? Because we're dealing with global institutions that are working with assets that are treated fundamentally different uh, market to market. Yeah, look, I think that's, you know, you know, obviously Elwood has its position um, to ensure that we're, you know, interfacing and, and, and kind of directly engaging with the regulatory landscape treating it very much like a security for safety's sake in, in many respects. There is a lot of gray area, as we know, and sometimes, you know, funds and sometimes, you know, technology providers uh, benefit from that gray area. You know, we're, 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 we're probably a little more boring, um, you know, which is hopefully a good thing. Uh, and we'd much rather sort of, you know, have the black and the white of the scenario of, of understanding how we can, you know, manage the assets. So, yes, we've gone through virtual currency licensing and, you know, FCA licenses underway, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we're trying to adopt a, a very sort of regulatory first approach, you know, very compliance and, and risk approach, uh, which allows us to, to work with larger cap institutions in a framework that they're used to. That's important. I was just going to say, if it's any consolation, I, I, I come from regulated financial services uh, myself, and uh, I understand the demands for large institutional traders and also, frankly, the requirements for dealing with uh, public monies. Uh, you know, there's a lot of requirements in the way, but crypto itself has suffered from trust and reputation issues. How has that impacted uh, your clients and your business? Yeah, look, I think that the the sort of broader infrastructure, um, you know, has, has, you know, basically fallen foul of some of the, the issues that we all saw last year in, in the open market with, you know, Celsius or three hours or FTX and et cetera. So, you know, not to repeat, you know, everything that's in the public domain, but what it's definitely provided is a, is a nervousness around a lot of clients, you, you pre-funding. Um, you know, and do they trust the counterparties that they're working with? So, you know, we were already working with, um, you know, some very sort of, um, you know, early stage connectivity challenges, you know, with the market, the fact that it was built for retail rather than built for institutional, you know, flows and volumes. Then we're now having to sort of try and deal with some of the other complexities, which are, you know, elements that exist in traditional markets, you know, prime services or pre-funding you know, they're, they're sort of, you know, very non-obvious kind of actions that happen in traditional markets today. James, tell me what you've seen in the aftermath of FTX in terms of, is there a flight to quality for the exchanges? Uh, where are the institutions feeling comfortable uh, conducting their trades? Well, look, yeah, I think you're, you're bang on. There's definitely a flight to quality. Um, you know, all the things that you probably would expect were happening 
um, across the industry um, that really weren't, you know, even just due diligence on some of the venues, the LPs that existed. You know, we were sort of blindly trading with counterparties without any real depth of, um, of, of verification and validation. So there's a lot of, you know, let's go back to the, the basics, right? Let's verify who we're working with, ask them for accounts, you know, crazy as that might seem. You know, we do it in traditional markets. Why wouldn't we do it in digital? Um, you know, ask for audited accounts, you know, start to look at, you know, can you trust the, the counterparty models that you're working with? Um, and that I think is, has definitely changed the dynamic of the way that people want to, to, to work with more grown up institutions that are willing to be a bit more transparent. Um, that also, I think, you know, lends itself quite nicely to, you know, the fact that people are asking to trade a lot more on credit um, rather than pre-fund if there is a lack of trust, um, you know, or with counterparties and LPs rather than necessarily even with centralized exchanges. So I think the market dynamics definitely a one to your point of safety, but transparency and safety. And look, we're working in the blockchain. That's the whole point of it. Um, you know, rather than necessarily trying to be too opaque. What's your AI strategy? <laughs> Look, everyone's got an AI strategy, right? <laughs> if, they're, if, they're, if they're not writing their CVs and their cover notes, um, then, they're, uh, then they're at least trying to, you know, be in front of it from a technology stack, stack standpoint. So, look, I think, you know, there's a lot of value in, in the algorithmic trading world. Um, you, know, they'll, they'll, you know, we'll start to see how that evolves in, in AI as well. Um, you know, there's also going to be a big leap and a big opportunity in derivatives uh, where AI lends itself incredibly well um, and systematic trading, right? All these things that, you know, when you're as, as tired and old as I look, um, you know, and have been in the markets for a while, you know, there are things that have happened over the last 10 years or 25 years if you've been here long enough. Um, and all these structures and strategies are now starting to, to really come to life in digital. Waves in the Finiverse, the podcast. Speaking to the people making waves in finance, fintech, crypto, Web3 and beyond. James, you're backed by Goldman Sachs and Barclays. Uh, they've invested in Elwood. How does that relationship work? It's important to bring real strategics to the cap table. Um, you know, and it's important in the industry that we're in as well, because you know, obviously there's such big participants, you know, Citigroup is, is also part of that crowd and people like Two Sigma are also, you know, part of the cap table because they can influence the direction of travel, both from a product standpoint and also from a standards um, perspective as well. So, you know, we want to adopt the best standards. We want to take the counsel and direction from our investors to make sure that we're, you know, we're able to adhere to that and that they shape the product and the utilization of that product. You know, having come from large cap banking myself at places like JP Morgan and HSBC, far better that you invite them into the ten, you know, rather than trying to to keep them at arm's length. So yeah, we're we're you know we're blessed by having you know at least four or five strategic um, partners as part of the cap table that that obviously are helping us as the part of the customer journey. Fantastic. Now, James, you were uh, recently crowned one of the twenty most influential people in. Crypto, uh, what impact do you hope to have on the industry, and why did you get that nomination? <laughs> I think it was, uh, I think it was an error. But no, no. Uh, look, I'm hoping it wasn't an error. Um, look, the reality is, you know, we're in the infrastructure space, and 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 the foundations of this asset class will be built on the infrastructure. Um, you know, so I hope that the the reason for the for the acclaim um, is very much about helping to build the direction of of the asset class and the 
intersection between traditional finance and digital. Um, it's a uh, it's a heavy crown, as they uh, as they say. Um, you know, so you know, let's hope I'm there next year in the same list. Um, you know, the reality is though that if, if we can start to drive a, a direction and a message that allows people to participate at scale, we all benefit. You know, the pool gets bigger, the participation gets better, the participants get more professional, and this market genuinely benefits from the the blockchain technology that we're all, you know, so keen to uh, to drive forward. News from the Finiverse. Well, James, we're at a point in our show we call News in the Finiverse, and um, I do know you used the term blatant sales pitch earlier, so if you want to count that as your news, is there anything that's happening in uh, Elwood or um, with yourself that you want to share with the listeners? Look, I think that the big thing for, for us in the, um, in, the, in the blatant sales pitch ex- extension is you know risk is a big um, you know area of opportunity for for Elwood uh, and a huge opportunity for the market. You know we're you know again we're not trying to be uh, the purveyors of boredom, um, but we are definitely trying to make sure that people enter this market with a full understanding um, and that they're able to backtest the model and really build the structures and strategies that many of uh, many of uh, the market participants weren't doing a year and a half ago. You know we were spending a lot of time talking to to clients that were using spreadsheets to manage their risk profile. Um, and the last time I checked, that wasn't the greatest way of, of running a book. Um, so I think the, uh, I think, you know, the, the blatant sales pitch for us is, is definitely risk is going to be a big thing for 23. Um, and people building out professional institutional stacks of technology that will, you know, drive the success of this market. Fantastic. Now, James, uh, uh, just prior to the show, we heard from your colleagues in comms about some new partnerships. Are there any news in that area that you wanted to share? We've made some um, some integrations. We've, we've probably increased the, the engineering count here by about a third. Um, you know, so we've grown substantially in the last, you know, six, nine months. Um, you know, so we have, you know, a number of, you know, I think we have 20 plus quants these days, um, you know, trying to help people with things like risk models. Um, and trying to help people with true portfolio management software. So, you know, look, we're we're disproportionately geared towards engineering and product. Um, you know, we're north of a hundred of those. You know, in the organisation. Um, you know, we're we'll, we'll you know we're in the process of now announcing more clients um, that are that are sort of building out here. Yet he couldn't tell us what just then. However, a few weeks later he could. So, James, last time we spoke, you mentioned some integrations were coming. But it was all a bit hush hush just then. So we've waited till today. What's happening? So the news from from our side is, um, you know, Elwood's um, integrated and, and partnered with Fireblocks. Um, you know, obviously it's a, a huge um, opportunity to to give clients a better understanding of their full portfolio. Um, you know, a real institutional grade, um, you know, full trade lifecycle um, engagement. So you know, the good news with with a partner like Fireblocks is. You know, they share a lot of the same thought process. You know, they also share a lot of the same client opportunities. So, yeah, it will mean that, um, you know, inside of Elwood, you can directly partner with, uh, with the Fireblocks network. And what is it in Fireblocks that is of particular interest to your, yourself and your uh, institutional clients? Look, I think that the, there's real value around, you know, how Fireblocks, you know, kind of enables you to secure, transfer the digital assets, um, you know, effectively. Um, you know, and, and you know, clients are, are looking for that 
turnkey type solution now. You know, they're, they're used to it in, in financial services of traditional assets. You know, they want a single place that they can interface, that they can move their assets from custody, that they can sort of invoke um, the ask uh, and that they can feel secure about their assets as it moves through the through the network. And then they want a full representation of where that sits, where it resides, and, and clearly the value of it. I certainly know that since we spoke a few weeks back, there's been a lot of um, financial madness in March um, uh, and wanted to um, ask what it's been like for you and your clients, particularly with the U.S. regional banks uh, facing such challenges. Yeah, look, it's been, um, you know, it's been another uh, you know, crazy few weeks in the asset class. Um, you know, I think that the, the, there's there's been opportunity as much as there's been challenge. Um, you know, what we've certainly seen is, you know, is obviously people moving funds, you know, in real time from, you know, from exchange to, to stable coins and out of stable coins to cash and then back again. And there's been a huge amount of, uh, you know, sort of uncertainty um, of some of the longevity of the, the banking infrastructure providers. So, you know, do you feel comfortable uh, with your assets, you know, solely in in one location, no, nor should you. Um, you know, that's a you know, it's a standard in terms of what we do with traditional assets and our probably our own cash positions in a personal capacity. So, you know, many uh, many institutions are now going through the process of finding good, you know, banking partners, finding good, you know, rails providers that they're comfortable with, um, so that they can effectively, you know, onboard, offboard, fiat to crypto and and crypto to fiat. Um, but also, you know, that they can, you know, they can use the most relevant stable coins to, to, you know, ensure that they have the most seamless, but also, you know, risk managed, uh, you know, kind of process with their funds. And um, I know just last month, uh, Elwood rolled out advanced risk management tools. It seems like they were very timely indeed. Um, with what's going on at the moment, how has this changed the way the institutions are approaching risk, particularly in the digital asset class? Yeah, look, I think that, you know, you know, and obviously shameless plug from from our perspective, but, you know, we've, uh, we've been super keen to make sure that people operate with, with very sensible risk policy and, and give them the tools to be able to do that. You know, our institutional clients are, you know, are very expectant of, of those risk tools to be available as they are with other, you know, more traditional assets. Um, so, you know, we're, we're blessed to be able to have a, a great set of products that we can enable our clients to really portfolio manage you know, the risk scenarios, you know, they can shock the books and they can backtest the model and all the sorts of things you would expect, um, you know, portfolio mapping and portfolio management to really do. And I think the next opportunity here on the, on this with, from a risk perspective starts to look at, you know, counterparty risk modeling, um, you know, and how you can do that in real time so that, you know, as these markets start to solidify and, you know, some of the final building blocks, you know, kind of, uh, you know, find solid ground, um, you know, it also allows, you know, everybody to operate with a, with a low risk model or certainly a, a very conscious decision in terms of how they're, they're operating with the counterparties that they're subscribed to. Right. And how has the uh, current market volatility impacted Elwood and your kind of order, order book of uh, outstanding clients or uh, opportunities has it uh, been a net negative net positive or no change look I, th- I think you know reality for us it's you know it's net positive and clearly i would say that right but you know reality is you know we're, we're not financially exposed you know through that through this you know through this process ourselves um you know obviously what we're you know keen to do is make sure that you know the clients that we work with have got you know the most sensible and uh, and solid 
technology and insights that they can use to be able to manage through these turbulent times. Um, so yeah, there's there's continued vigor um, and, and desire to want to use platforms and, and technology that helps you know give people you know visibility. Um, you know, I think that's what we're all seeking at the moment is being able to make you know very conscious decisions in terms of you know where we allocate capital, you know where we leave capital, you know, and and how much risk is associated to those relationships. So yeah, look, our clients are you know, have, have fared well, um, thankfully, uh, for, for themselves. We'd like to think we're a, we're a big part of that in terms of the technology landscape. But also, I think it, you know, you know, and I don't mean to sound trite, but, you know, it takes a village too here, right? You know, there's a there's a community type opportunity where, you know, I work with some competitors, right? You know, I work with partners, you know, because actually, you know, we're better off, um, you know, all trying to, to corral around the value of the asset class you know, and increase the opportunity as opposed to it create some sort of destabilization, which clearly impacts everybody. Yeah, no, we're, um, uh, that's one of the major themes. We're hosting an event in June here in Hong Kong, Radical Finance Asia, and really looking at the integration across the Web3 community, because you say it takes a village, but it also takes a lot of developers. Um, and it, it takes people all from CFI to DeFi to really truly understand how to make this work in a way that, you know, aligns with the institution's other asset class objectives. Yeah, you look, you're right. And, um, you know, the event, I'm sure, is, is going to be a great opportunity for people to, you know, to kind of come together, you know, share ideas, share concerns, right? You know, this is a, you know, an opportunity uh, and a fabric that, that we can, you know, weave together. Um, I think there are lots of, you know, very broad and, and polarized opinions. But the reality is, I think, you know, anybody that's spending time in Web3, you know, has the same conviction, which is in you know, the power of, um, of, of the, the digital asset class, the power of the, you know, the blockchain and distributed ledger. So I, can, I think that we'll all find common ground um, and therefore there's, there's so much opportunity for us to partner in, in exactly the same way that you know, banks and, and, uh, and central uh, you know, authorities have been partnering through some of these turbulent times with the challenges of Credit Suisse or, or the more traditional asset classes. Like you know, we, we have to consistently you know, you know, partner here with the same conviction. Now, risk comes in all formats, and Elwood themselves have been victims of a scam. Last year, a fraudulent mobile app was released in China and Taiwan. The app was impersonating the Elwood Technologies brand using their logo and color palette and trying to get users to purchase Bitcoin and other digital assets without necessarily providing the coins. So I wanted to know, what were some of the lessons learned from managing that issue? Yeah, look, it's, uh, look, you know, uh, what, are, what do they say that the better that you get, the sharper the knives? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, you know, reality for us is we always need to be in front of any impersonators of the business. You know, obviously security is a big thing for us here, as you'd expect with SOC 2 and ISO and all the things you would expect us to have, but also just being a bit more front footed with the narrative of the business so that people know, you know, who is the official Elwood um, and who is maybe a, uh, you know, an Asia based impersonator with an app that's trying to do some single, you know, consumer type trading. Um, so, yeah, look, we're, we're, we're going to be a bit more forward, you know, with our marketing narrative this year and, and next year we've, we've been very, uh, uh, reluctant recluses thus far, um, you know, really focused on trying to build product. But yeah, owning the narrative is definitely something that we're gonna we're gonna focus on this year. Tracks in the Finiverse. James, we ask uh, as part of our interview for people to 
kind of name a song that they would want to take with them on their journey or the kind of music that powers their day. And uh, was interested to hear uh, for our segment Waves in the Finiverse, James, what uh, music comes to mind for you? Look, I'm, uh, you know, I'm obviously here in the UK, so, you know, I, it would be remiss of me not to, to think of Britpop. Um, and therefore, you know, bands like Oasis, you know, feature heavily. Um, you know, so yeah, Live Forever is definitely a, uh, you know, probably a metaverse statement, a blockchain statement, and uh, and very much an Elwood statement. So yeah, Oasis's Live Forever is definitely song of choice. Oh, I definitely um, will be enjoying listening to that. Thank you for your time, James, and that great introduction to Elwood and the conversation around institutional interest in crypto. It's been a great conversation. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. This has been Waves in the Finiverse. Why not hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode? If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. Thank you.